On this edition of FedGov Today with Francis Rose, taking AI for acquisition government-wide and solving people problems in the acquisition workforce. It's Wednesday, February 14, 2024. Welcome to FedGov Today with Francis Rose. The Department of Defense and civilian agencies will connect with the tech sector at TechNet Emergence, March 11th and 12th at the Hyatt Regency in Reston, Virginia. AFSIA International hosts it. You'll meet leaders from the largest federal agencies that are looking for new tech, including AI, biotechnology, telecom, cybersecurity of Internet of Things, quantum computing, and more. You can read more about TechNet Emergence and register at fedgovtoday.com events. The General Services Administration is rolling out several artificial intelligence projects to make the jobs of its contracting officers easier. Several of those projects revolve around automating tasks. Jeff Kosis is Senior Procurement Executive at GSA at ACT-IAC's AI Procurement Forum at Kerasoft Headquarters in Reston. He says his agency has a lot going on in the acquisition AI space. With my GSA hat on, I want to emphasize we've long seen ourselves as being at the forefront of technology innovation. It's essential to us in playing our role in helping other agencies to be successful. So in part, you're seeing us experiment, try things out, uh, so that we can pull them into our schedules, into our GWACs, into our other solutions. Uh, recently, we've uh, been looking at some challenges around uh, the workforce challenges itself. We ask our contracting officers to do so much low-value, repetitive-type work. Uh, one of our contracting officer thought leaders, uh, Justin uh, Felposh, uh, uh, recognized, you know, there's some better ways to do some of this work. Uh, she uh, became our leader in creating uh, robotic process automation, bots, to deal with uh, a lot of that kind of work. Uh, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Uh, contract deobligations, it's always a significant uh, challenge. So uh, up until a couple of years ago, our contract officers, they had to go into our financial system and uh, trawl line by line literally looking for pennies so that they can say, okay, on this CLIN, there's three cents left. On this CLIN, there's one cent left. Uh, the effort that went into that was thousands of man hours. Uh, using our, the uh, potential of technology, we can do that work faster, more accurately, more efficiently, and we can redeploy our, the work to m much more uh, impactful things. Uh, with Jocelyn's leadership, we've stood up now a whole family of our automations. And between FY22 and FY24, as an agency, we've saved 107,000 man hours. That's the equivalent of 50 people uh, doing higher value contracting work. For me, that's the potential of acquisition uh, innovation, the potential of these technology things. That's the kind of thing we want to do at GSA first, figure out, give our folks the right tools so we could take some of those things uh, government-wide. GSA was one of the innovators in RPA. Uh, I talked to Gerard Bedoric when he was there a number of times about the work that he was doing with RPA and, and propagating that across the agency and thereby across the enterprise of the federal government. How is what you're seeing and what you're thinking about and experimenting with um, kind of turbocharging the work that you're already doing with RPA? It sounds like there's potential for kind of a, an exponential growth in scale as far as being able to move that that uh, low-value work to automation. Uh, absolutely, and yes, uh, 
Gerard was there when Jocelyn was thinking about some of these issues, and he was a great supporter as we supercharged this and made it happen. And now, you know, we're recognizing it's not just RPA, it's all kinds of opportunities to use different technology solutions to do these automations. We're working on one right now. Uh, when we do a construction project under Davis-Bacon, we have to review our payroll records on a weekly basis. You know, having our CEOs look every week at payroll records, that's not the best use of their time. They're, uh, by automating that, we can both be more accurate if in finding issues, but I can let my CEOs focus on higher value work. Uh, <clears throat> there's so many examples coming down the pike. Uh, when we deal with things such as uh, Buy America, there's all kinds of complex differentials that we have to apply. It uh, differs on the business size and it differs uh, on the industry and on so many different sub-factors. Uh, great chance to use an automated solution so that uh, the, we, we're confident the math is done right, but their contractors are doing uh, more important work. They're looking at the cyber risk that may be involved. They're looking at uh, achieving public policy objectives. They're collaborating more with industry. They're not trapped in routine, repetitive, uh, low-value tasks. What are some of the workforce implications? You touched on some of them there, but what are some of the things that your, your uh, people will have to do that they don't do now? What skills will they need that they don't have or don't have as much of now? And what will be the, some of the, th you've already talked about some of the things that they won't have to do anymore that, that will happen automatically. But it strikes me that there might be ways that you need to organize the workforce differently or categorize the workforce differently too. Uh, definitely. Uh, we've been really thinking, what are the skills that are in companies that can be critical for our workforce as we're dealing uh, with this? And we've recognized uh, our workforce, uh, the people that we're hiring today, the people that we're going to be promoting tomorrow, they need to be much stronger in data management, in visualization, in communication, in, <clears throat> in leading teams. They have to be really open to uh, experimentation. <clears throat> Some of the traditional skills, uh, you know, there's so many automated sources of information that we can learn and teach those things in different ways. But we need a different uh, skill set, and that's what we're concentrating on. Uh, last year, Francis, uh, the Federal Acquisition Institute worked closely with OFPP to modernize the uh, certification program. We moved away from an old uh, government unique program, it was called FACC, to a new professional competency. <clears throat> uh, two really important changes that tie into this. Uh, one, in moving from a government unique curriculum to a commercial one, we expanded the information, we expanded communication, we moved to common vocabulary. And two, we introduced credentials as a uh, requirement to emphasize uh, lifelong learning. Part of how we're going to recognize the top contract professionals, they're going to have credentials. And they're not just in the traditional areas, they're in some of these competencies. Uh, between Defense Acquisition University and Federal Acquisition, Federal Acquisition Institute, we're seeing companies in things such as uh, data visualization, data management, uh, even advanced Excel skills, uh, all about have saying, kind of officer, let's focus on understanding the data, what you can do with it, what it means for you. You know, our OFPP, they put out a uh, memo, they put out a, a circular, a draft circular uh, recently. That circular, it contained the phrase billions of points of data where they were talking about pricing and acquisition data. You know, if we're going to have an acquisition workforce that's going to 
be asked to leverage and to responsibly use billions of points of data, we need to give them the skills, we need to give them the tools, the competencies, the support to do that. Billions of points of data, the first thing I think of when you say that is, what does the flow look like? What, what, how, how has the in infrastructure improved within GSA and more broadly across the federal government to allow for that data to be, to move to and move away from all the places that it needs, that people will need to get it in order to apply AI or just to analyze it in whatever way they do to be able to make the decisions that you're describing? For the last several years, GSA has worked on an effort, we call it transactional data reporting, uh, or it goes by the initials TDR. Uh, it was a change in the model for how we establish price reasonableness under our schedules program. We started that thinking, hey, this is all about pricing. We recognized, no, this is about acquisition decisions. <clears throat> so <clears throat> oh, over the last several years, we've learned a lot about how to communicate to industry. What are we looking for in the data? We've learned how to cleanse the data. We've learned how to start building that into tools and approaches. And now we're starting to see all kinds of benefits. You know, partially, yeah, it's understanding the pricing context but it's helping us understand cyber risk. It's helping us uh, understand uh, environmental compliance. It's helping us in demand management. We're sharing that data with our industry partners to give them uh, a line of sight. What are we buying? What are we not buying? And it's shaping the way that they come to market. Uh, it's been a several year effort for GSA to start really learning how do we use the data well? How do we use that efficiently? And what OFPP is now doing is saying, hey, GSA has learned a lot from that, but what can we do if we take that from a GSA initiative to a federal initiative, if other agencies are also part of the solution, both part of providing the data, part of using the data, part of changing the relationship with industry in and around management of that data. You read my mind about where I wanted to go next because you talked until just a moment ago about all the benefits that GSA and the federal government more broadly will realize from AI and the data analysis and all of that. And my next question was going to be, what is the benefit, if any, to industry? You touched on it a little bit, but I'm curious what that looks like on a bigger scale, uh, how industry will serve the government better and will do better for itself uh, in uh, through some of these initiatives. Uh, Francis, uh, one of my roles is as uh, chair of the U.S. Ability One Commission. That is the small federal agency that uh, ensures uh, jobs for uh, people who are blind or have significant disabilities through federal procurement. <coughs> uh, people may be familiar with uh, the brand Skillcraft, for example, which is uh, Nib's uh, brand name for many of the products that they provide. Well, there are thousands of items on what's called the procurement list, the list of items reserved to be bought through the AbilityOne program. Uh, GSA has started sharing that data with uh, NIB, with the nonprofit community. Uh, and by sharing that data, we're able to show them, hey, these are the items where we have demand, maybe items where we're even getting purchase exceptions because you can't keep up with the demand. But then there's this list of thousands of items that we haven't bought in years. You're running administrative expense in maintaining infrastructure for items that we no longer need. Uh, our, our buying patterns have changed. Our requirements have changed. Uh, GSA is not just sharing this information with Ability One, but that's an example. We're sharing that with uh, many of our industry partners. And it gives them a line of sight. What are we buying? What are the emerging trends? And it lets them come to market 
armed with a lot of information makes them more competitive. It may uh, help spur innovation if they recognize, hey, they're buying this item, and here are two things that we can do to improve that and to focus and to create business opportunity. The theme here today, of course, is artificial intelligence in the acquisition process, Jeff, and I wonder what you see a year out or two years out uh, how you see the acquisition process, either the back office piece of it within the agencies or the uh, the actual buying of the stuff being different at some future point as a result of the maturation of, of AI? Uh, we are definitely very early in the process. <clears throat> uh, we have uh, government requirements owners are starting to play with different generative uh, AI tools to uh, communicate the requirements and it's great for getting a first draft down. Uh, we know industry partners are starting to use that in preparing their uh, proposals under solicitations. And again, it's great for getting a first draft down. But because it's really early, you know, sometimes there's uh, things that the AI has invented that are not uh, true data. Uh, that's likely to get worked out over the next couple of years as we get to uh, my part more maturity in the model. But uh, there's probably going to be some fundamental changes uh, in the process. Uh, uh, I'm aware of companies that are extending their BNP dollars through uh, uh, generative AI. They're able to uh, propose on two or three times as many requirements. Well, you know, there's a, a lot of implications to that. Some are terrific. More competition. Wonderful. We want that. But if we go from a world where we're processing five offers to a world where we're processing 105 offers, well, that's going to change the back end of how we manage acquisition. It's going to change our evaluation strategies. And as we are really thinking about some of this, it opens up an amazing opportunity for us in time itself. Uh, you know, Francis, I think you've had lots of acquisition professionals who talked about the importance of time and how that is the most underappreciated resource in acquisition. Well, you know, AI, it's going to let us shrink that uh, cycle. It's going to let us get our requirements together faster. It's going to let us issue our solicitations faster. Uh, I think there's a great conversation. Can we shrink the time that proposals are on the street, knowing that AI is part of that solution? It's certainly going to shrink the time around uh, evaluation of proposals. <clears throat> You know, if we project out a couple of years, FAR Council is going to wrestle with and start getting some basic governance uh, out there. Uh, and that's, that's important for this to really grow and take off. We need governance. We need uh, uh, permissive infrastructure to allow for it, to build comfort, to give the workforce comfort, to give our industry partners some confidence. Jeff Kosas of GSA at ACT-IAC's AI Acquisition Forum at Kerasoft headquarters recently. You can read more about the event and AI in acquisition in today's show notes at fedgovtoday.com. I'm Francis Rose, the host of FedGov Today. I'm emceeing a book party with the former CIO of DHS, Richard Spires, and an all-star panel of government management experts. It's happening next Tuesday afternoon, February 20th, starting at 3 at the Partnership for Public Service offices in downtown D.C. Richard's new book's titled Government Can Deliver. Hope you'll be there for a great conversation and a lot of lessons learned. You can RSVP through the link in today's show notes at fedgovtoday.com. The kinds of AI acquisition projects Jeff talked about are happening all over government. 
The Office of Federal Procurement Policy keeps tabs on all of those programs. Joni Newhart is Associate Administrator of Acquisition Workforce Programs at OFPP inside the Office of Management and Budget at ACT-IAC's AI Procurement Forum at Kerasoft Headquarters in Reston. She says OFPP is the connective tissue for agencies across government. I think it's um, knowing what other agencies are even doing. So I know there's been some effort to collect that information. And then you heard Andrea Brandon from DOI today say, our whole initial thought was to build it and then share it. And that mindset is really throughout the, the federal acquisition community. That's one reason I love this community so much. And I think that's, they're looking for, they don't have to figure everything out themselves. They can leverage what somebody else has done. And then again, share it with others. So we can bloom these ideas in a very thoughtful way. What is the community doing? And what is, do you think OFPP's role is uh, in perpetuating knowing what everybody else is building so that I'm not building something at my agency that maybe somebody's already built. I love the the, the noble intentions of building something and sharing. That's great. But I, at what point does the building become less important than the sharing, given what all of these innovative ideas that people are here talking about? Yeah, that's the interesting part. It's really challenging because we don't want to say, stop what you're doing while we catalog everything. Right. Um, but so we interface with our agency partners all the time. We have this um, periodic table of acquisition innovations where we put um, fleshed out ideas and templates uh, and everything on there so that we can share that way. But we're always out there talking like before. So I've been at OFPP 14 years before that or around the beginning, we would like issue policy like agency go do this. Okay, good luck. Yeah, have a good time. Now we're not, we, we do issue policy, <laughs> can't get away from that, but we're more like meeting agencies where they are. So we want to hear about what they're doing. We don't have a, a monolithic approach at all. It's very individualized and trying to just bring everybody up together. And I think we get there just by talking to our agency partners and just, they're very sharing and they seem to appreciate that. Um, so that's how we how we make it happen. Polly Hall from DHS gave a really nice shout out to the periodic table of acquisition innovation. What has that meant over the um, I'm going to say two or three years that it's been out? What has that meant to the community in terms of having kind of one guide star for people to focus on? Is what it seems to me that from the outside looking in that it's become. Yeah, what's interesting before the periodic table, um, our acquisition workforce and probably many members still are risk averse like they have the oversight people they have the IGs they have their senior procurement executive everybody's looking at them and they're just like I'm safer just doing the things I know but so I, I think our whole effort at OFPP to open up innovation we now have an opening up your mindset class for anybody that wants to take it we have this periodic table and I think it has given people permission to try new things and to think about innovation but not have to figure it out themselves so they go there we don't say try everything just try one or two things there's templates there's somebody to talk to it's a a way for them to feel safe and dip their toe in the water and then they get more comfortable and then oh my gosh we've seen um amazing breakthroughs in the last three years just by pushing this and sharing this and talking a lot about it. So thanks for the opportunity to keep pushing that here. What do you take away from an event like this that people, the practitioners themselves, you mentioned Andrea Brandon, Mike Darios from the State Department was here. He was on FedGov Today TV not too long ago. Um, and uh, Carla Smith-Jackson from NASA was a guest on the 
uh, podcast uh, as a result of talking to her here. As you talk to those folks on an ongoing basis, what do they tell you we need uh, or we want to build up in our teams uh, or these are the kinds of people that we want to bring in and we could use your help in determining how to do that? Yes. So we were previously focused a lot on we need the business majors and they're great, but really we need curious people. Mm. We need people that like to lifelong learn what they're doing and and get involved and be engaged um they tell me that a lot and they also say we need help recruiting because there's they need the early career folks and they're having a hard time finding them and i think like we can't hire them at ofpp but we can help get the try and get the word out what a great career this is i think college i was just at george mason last week talking to college students they don't really know about this career, just mm-hmm. like me and everybody I work with. We just kind of fell into it. They need help recruiting the people. They need help with the new certification program, which Jeff Kozis mentioned. Um, I really do like where that's headed, where we have credentials now that's more in line with adult learning in general. And I hope that will draw the younger people in to say, oh, I can I can plan my career. I can you know, uh, affect where I want to be, what I want to do. And I, I love that. But so we're trying to um, have the credentials program more robust. You heard that DAU is well on the way. They had a year-long head start. but So we're trying to leverage that, not steal it, leverage it, and then also add our own take to it. Like we have a mid-level acquisition leadership credential now. Um, We just are going to have a category management. All these things that are going to help people, but they can like see, oh, this is the right time in my career for this in conjunction with their supervisor. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're just trying to build that out so that we can just have a more robust workforce that is in charge of their career. A lot of focus at this event, obviously, on artificial intelligence and the implications that it has on the acquisition workforce. How do you see AI changing the acquisition process, both within an agency and in the agency-to-vendor relationship over the next couple of years, Joni? I see that AI is going to make the job of the acquisition acquisition professionals better, easier, so they can really focus on where they can add value. It reminds me of Jocelyn Igo, who was an Acquisition Excellence Award winner last year. She was a frustrated contracting officer, and she's like, I know there's a better way to do this. I don't want to do this checklisty things. And so she actually went out and learned how to code, and she said, Really, she doesn't recommend that. But she learned how to code, and she developed these bots. And now she's in charge of a division that that's what they do. But it's those forward kind of thinking people. I I love them. I love her story. And I think IA is going to put that on steroids, and it's going to be out there and really help people. Um, Like myself, I grew up as a contracting officer. I just really wanted to add value. I love the source selection. But there were so many things, typing the letters, things that were so annoying um and i think ai will help with that a lot and Mm -hmm. i listening to the the folks today i loved hearing everything they said but it makes me realize i have a lot of work to do and it really motivates me to say "Ooh, you know what do i need to do for our workforce Mm -hmm. and it's making me think and now i have some folks i have a whole paper of notes i took with little check boxes of things i have to do but there's a there's a lot of work to do in this area. Well, you can pull that list out and we can go down over it. Because I'm curious, which is actually going to be my last, my next question, okay. is what do you take away from an event like this and go back to OMB 
and do next as a result of what you learned from the people today. Yes. Uh -huh. so. You're not kidding. You got a ton of them there, and you. God bless you. You even have the little boxes next to them to check them off. <laughs> I do. You're amazing. Well, it helps me keep organized. It's um, wonderful. But so, um, like Jeff Kozis mentioned, a GSA entry level credential. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I think I want to take that and, and provide it to the government. Yep. Um, there were things like, um, Scott, I really loved what Scott said in regard to the the way you need to think about procuring AI. I just talked to my colleagues at FAI this week, and they said there's not a lot of AI procurement training out there. So we need to kind of figure it out and, and we need to give folks some kind of help that way or else they'll just be doing what they're used to and that's not gonna work here. Um, so it's things like that. Um, let's see, Poly DHS has training in generative AI. I'm like, I want that training. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but just connecting and then I have a note to um, connect one of my other colleagues with Mike Darius because he's interested in what he's doing just connecting people and then making sure I don't forget of little tags I want to make and and see what I can leverage that other people are doing that I didn't know about if I weren't here you know what I think is really interesting and, and actually encouraging both for the government people and the vendors that are here learning about how all this stuff will impact their side of the of this equation is you didn't talk at all about changing the FAR or changing policy or new policies or governance that has to be written. You're just talking about providing education and training in the framework, the acquisition framework that already exists. And I wonder if that's intentional or if we just haven't gotten to the point of the new policies and new governance yet. I think it's intentional. My whole career I've been like, the FAR doesn't keep you from doing anything any individual contracting officer can figure out how to do something and smart and i loved all the focus today on talking to industry more i love that because that's where we're all going to get smarter and we'll get better products for the government and services to help the taxpayers i mean we're all mindful of that joni newhart from ofpp at act iax ai acquisition forum at Carisoft headquarters you can read more about the event and ai in acquisition in today's show notes at fedgovtoday.com. I know you're really busy. You might not catch all the podcasts and TV shows FedGov Today offers you if you want to keep up with everything that's coming out. You can follow us on LinkedIn to get the latest updates. You get the next FedGov Today podcast next Wednesday. Till then, thanks very much for listening.